You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to part two of Sixers Daily. Back in the win column for Philly, ending its five-game losing streak, winning 103-89 against the Denver Nuggets. Lots to break down from this one, including six guys hitting double figures, including one player who I don't think anybody expected to not only be in double-figure scoring, but actually get as many minutes as he did. We'll jump into all that, but before I do, don't forget, subscribe to the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your fix, and of course, check us out at libertyballers.com. Joining me for the post-game in this one, Jackson Frank. Jackson, what did you make of this game after seeing Nikola Jokic light up the Sixers the entire first half? Um, you mentioned, you know, we were talking a, a bit before we got on Tyrese Maxey, had a hell of a game once again, finished with 22 points, five dimes, or pardon me, five rebounds, four dimes, uh, no turnovers once again. But to me, the big one in this was Charles Bassey getting minutes, finishing with 12 boards, or pardon me, 12.7 boards, three blocks. What did you make of this game overall? And how surprised were you that the Sixers were actually able to get a win against a Nuggets team that was seven and one at home coming into this one? Yeah, I think what stood out to me is the defense. Um, it looked pretty awful the last few games. Obviously, that's going to happen when you're without Joel and B, Matisse, Seibel, Danny Green, Ben Simmons. Um, but they they got killed in transition against Utah. They were really uncoordinated, communicating switches against the Pacers. And tonight, they they really, really looked impressive, especially in the second half. You know, you mentioned Jokic had 27 in the first half, only three points, no field goals in the second half. I think that was the product of their help was really good. When we mentioned Bassey. Obviously, he was he was good offensively, but I thought his like honestly, his best exploits were defending Jokic tonight. Um, really, just made things tough. Was disciplined, which is not what you see a lot for a rookie who's or for a rookie who's barely played against a guy like Jokic who has so many pivots and fakes and spins and all these different things. Uh, stayed down, so that was what stood to me was that was the defense and and, and Bassey in particular. So. Um, Really impressive without your four best defenders. Obviously, we'll get you they'll get three of them back at some point in Matisse, Joel, and and Danny. You don't know about Ben, but um it was just a really impressive showing in that regard. And you know, did enough offensively, hit 11 threes, but the defense was what really stood out to me throughout that game, especially the second half, like I said. Well, you're looking at the, you know, as I mentioned off the top, Joker was unreal in the first half. You know what I mean? To just dominating 27.6 <laughs> boards at the at the break. Uh, Bassey kind of came in, was able to use his energy, challenge some shots. And, you know, the guy looks like he's a human pogo stick, one of those type of players where he's able to kind of get up off his feet quickly. In the third quarter, Jokic ended up going 0 for 4 shooting, did have a pair of free throws for two points. What adjustments do you think the Sixers made there that allowed them to kind of key in on at least, I mean, they obviously prevented Jokic from doing anything in terms of offensively, but at least try and contain the big man there too. I think part of it was that, you know, Bassey played more in the second half. I think he played about six or seven minutes in the first half and then 12, I want to say, in, in the second half. Um, that yeah, he helped, finished, but, yeah, he finished at 19 overall, yeah. Yeah, um, but, but I thought it was just the help in general. Like they did, they were just way better about loading help to Jokic. Obviously, the Sixers are our, our undermanned right now, but as are the, the Nuggets, they're down Michael Porter Jr., they're down Jamal Murray. Not quite the degree of the Sixers, but 
Um, you want to turn Jokic into a passer, which sounds like a really weird thing to say because he's arguably the best passer in the NBA, but um, he's he's also become a really, really incredible scorer, as we saw in the night we've seen the last you know year plus. So, um, you know, he, I mean, if you, if you like in previous years, you know, maybe say before last season, sometimes Jokic would have a tendency to be passive. And so you could just play him one-on-one and he would still make, try to make, you know, playmaking reads. Now, if you play him one-on-one, he's just going to dominate you. And so I think the Sixers did a much better job in the second half of saying, okay, we're going to load a bunch of help into the paint. Whenever Jokic is there, we're going to run him off the arc. Uh, and we're going to force the other guys to be, we're going to force Aaron Gordon. who was struggling. We're going to force Monte Morris to be just off the dribble, those types of things. And, you know, the Nuggets supporting cast was unable to do that. So that's what really stood out to me in the second half is just, you know, turning arguably the best pass in the NBA into a passer. Uh, and it worked because the guys who's passing to just don't have the level of talent that maybe this, this the fully healthy Nuggets might. Yeah, you're looking at what the Sixers did defensively, held the Nuggets to 36% overall shooting, 12 of 36 from outside. You mentioned the, the difference in the transition points. And, and obviously, you know, I think even though, and, and Doc Rivers talked about this during the week, that even though the squad had lost five in a row, there was no real reason to panic because we've seen what the Sixers team can do at full health. Now, there was some news about Joel Embiid uh, likely not going to join the team, at least for the road trip, which means he won't play until the earliest, which I believe is 27th against Minnesota at home because their last game of the uh, road trip comes up next Wednesday against Golden State. But you're looking at kind of the adjustments that you mentioned were made and, and seeing Charles Bassey get some run there. What do you think of him individually as a defender? What was he able to do against Jokic that at least was able to slow him down a little bit, especially in that towards the end of the first half and into the third quarter when he got some run? Yeah, well, he's got, he's got some good strength on him, which, you know, can sometimes be rare for a rookie. And like I said earlier, he's disciplined, which is really, really rare. Like Jokic has all, he has this deep bag of tricks that can really burn defenders, uh, burn Drummond at times when he, when he was in there defending Jokic. And Bassey didn't fall for much of it, uh, to my recollection. He stayed down, used his length, um, and he's pretty bouncy as well. So, you know, when Jokic actually did commit to shooting, um, by no means is, is Bassey going to be you know, swatting the ball into the third row, but he's at least able to use some sort of length to make things tough. So that's really stood out to me. It's just the discipline, the length, the mobility. Um, but in general, I was just impressed with his, you know, his liveliness, really quick off the ground. Um, had a play, I think, in the first half where it might have been a goal 10 against Bones Highland, but... Uh, regardless, was really quick off the ground in his rotation in help. So um, just, you know, the, the theme, though, was just that discipline, which is so hard to have against an, a dominant offensive player like Nikola Jokic, but Bassey showed it. And that's why he was, you know, you know, maybe relative to expectations across the, you know, the, nine, the eight guys who played in the rotation was probably the best. It wasn't the best player, but among, you know, kind of in terms of what you expect from the guy, he was probably the best in that regard. What about Seth Curry offensively, especially? I mean, we saw him struggle over the last five games, just, you know, was unable to kind of hit shots, still struggled a bit from the outside going two of eight, but was able to get to the hole a lot in this one, uh, driving, getting into the paint. He also had five assists, uh, finished with six rebounds as well. So super active, just overall had 20 points to go with that. Why do you think he was able to break out of his funk in this game? And what did you see maybe from him in this one that we hadn't seen from him in the five previous games that that his shooting totals and his, his scoring totals had dropped? Yeah, I, I think, you know, for one, uh, you know, like I mentioned after the last game, uh, you know, he only got eight shots last game tonight, 17, which which tied his most since, you know, the first of November against the Blazers. Um, and so and I think part of it was like he wasn't planning against as much length, especially against the Raptors in that game, you know, a week ago. Mm-hmm. Um, just struggled to get quality shots because the Raptors are so long. The Pacers aren't quite that same way. The Jazz aren't either. But the Nuggets feel kind of small. They don't have a ton of mobility on the wings and the perimeter. Um, their point of attack defense is pretty rough, as we saw. You know, Tyrese Maxey gets to the paint a lot. So um, was just able to get into the paint and 
you know, Seth isn't a guy who's going to, you know, take nine shots at the rim in a given game, but he's someone who can get right into the, to the teeth of the defense or, you know, in the paint, that mid range area, get to his floater. Um, and so I, I just thought he, he was just able to get in the, get better dribble penetration and, and, and find his, his runner, get a couple of one-legged, you know, runner leaners, whatever you're going to call him. And so, um, just felt like the, there was more space for him tonight is what, what it felt like to me. And, you know, whether that's, you know, him, him looking for a shot a little more versus, you know, also finding easier success when he looks for a shot. I don't know the, the exact distribution there, but that's what stood out to me is it just, just seemed like he had a little more room to breathe than he'd had in, in, in recent games, especially, uh, you know, dating back to maybe the Toronto game, missed the game in Milwaukee. Um, the last three, especially, it just, it just didn't seem like he had that same level of, you know, ability to get his shot off cleanly. Well, we were talking about it before we before we started recording this one. This was actually a fun game. We had been kind of disappointed by what we had seen from the Sixers. I mean, again, c- considering how shorthanded they are and who they're missing, it wasn't surprising to see them go on a bit of a losing streak. But, you know, to me, they've played a lot of games. They had a lot of three and four nights, four and six that we've seen throughout the early part of the schedule. I think getting a couple of days off, even though they are on the road, was beneficial. But when you're looking at how this team can play, and even without Joel, uh, who is dealing with some knee soreness on top of the likely positive COVID test that he's also dealing with. But you, when you're looking at how this team can respond and what they look like now, you know, like I mentioned, they got these three games coming up on the road. They go Portland Saturday, Sacramento Monday, Golden State on Wednesday, which should be a tough one. Did this win kind of give you a little bit more of an optimistic outlook on how the end of this road trip can go? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we might have talked after the, the Jazz game and maybe hoping to go one and three, the West of the Ray, maybe two and two. Uh, would be a good goal. But now I think, you know, two and one is, is certainly attainable. You know, the Kings are not a team that, you know, Joel or not, that the, the Sixers should be like, you know, quaking in their boots against. And then even the Blazers, like the Blazers had a nice, a good win against, you know, the shorthanded Bulls, you know, on uh, on Wednesday, but they're not a team that's playing super well either. And so um, obviously like whatever you can do against the Warriors, you know, at, at less than full strength is, is found money. But these next two games, I think are games that they should, and obviously you go into every game trying to win, but these next two are ones that like they should expect to win. Not necessarily that like they're the favorites, but I think, you know, going two and one ending this road trip, uh, you know, 10, 11 and eight would be a really, really good goal. Even ending 10 and nine would be solid. Like seeing above 500, you know, based off what you said with you know, Joel probably missing about three weeks or three weeks to the, to the day. If he, if he comes back in the first game after the road trip would be, would be encouraging. So, and it's not just Joel missing. We've mentioned Matisse mentioned Danny Tobias has been back for a little while now, but he missed some games as well. Um, you know, during Joel's absence. So uh, I think like that, I mean, two and one seems pretty reasonable. Um, one and two seems okay as well. Just stay, keep your head above water, do what you can, because you know, I was thinking like they haven't, they've, they haven't played a bunch of like juggernauts yet, but they've also played a lot of quality teams too. The Bulls twice, the, you know, Blazers I don't think are great, but they're okay. The Nuggets are good. You know, they put the Knicks twice, like they still, they can pick off wins later as well. So um, 11, 8, 10, 9, and then this road trip feels pretty reasonable, and they, they should expect you know to win these next two, even if they expect to win all three, because that's how every NBA team, every NBA player goes into a game. But these next two feel very, very reasonable. No, except for maybe the Houston Rockets, right? They don't, they probably don't go into the games. Yeah, game. well, yeah, I'd say, I would say maybe, yeah, maybe the, the Houston Rockets brass don't go in every game, but the players, I'm sure, you know, oh, yeah, but but yeah, the, the Rockets are off to a tough, tough start, but, but they've, uh, got, they've got eyes down the road, so it's okay. We'll, we'll wrap up on this one, Jackson. I know I, I had talked about the Ben Simmons uh, stuff earlier. Sam Amick of The Athletic released a report kind of talking about what's going on there, but uh, also we had another report from Keith Pompey of The Inquirer, one of the most plugged in Sixers guys, uh, really around the league. But he's mentioning Jeremy Grant 
former Sixer who in a roundabout way ended up turning into Tyrese Maxey. Um, looking at, uh, at that, Jeremy, Gra- I mean, again, not to say that the Sixers are, are totally, I mean, they've had discussions that's according to the report and Pompey sources. And then there's also a mention of, of James Harden. I just want to quickly get your thought on that. Uh, Jeremy Grant, do you think you would move the needle at all? Is that, a, is that a, lo- a move you'd look at making if it came down to it again, in my opinion, I don't think it would, but if that were the case, and then also your thoughts, James Harden likely going to finish the season in Brooklyn. No. Yeah. Yeah. The Harden. Yeah. Harden. They're. And that's one I win a ring. Harden, you know, has looked better in recent weeks. He's actually playing pretty good basketball. Maybe not, he's not, it's not MVP level Harden, but he's still an all-star level player. They're not going to trade him um, for a guy, you know, in, in Ben, who I think there's been reports that maybe it's not just Philadelphia we won't play. So um, it doesn't make sense there. Um, Jeremy Grant, yeah, I don't think it moves the needle. He's turned himself into a really impressive scorer at times, but um, he's similar to, to Tobias in a lot of ways that he likes to take his time on, on shots and he's not a high level passer. And, um, was a really good defender in his, his final year in OKC, especially, but has not been particularly effective in that role. You know, since then, had some impressive switchable moments in the bubble with the Nuggets, but um, you know, he's not really a defender that I used to see. Maybe, maybe in a smaller role he could be again, but um, yeah, not not a guy that I think is someone the Sixers should be, should be um, going for because I think there's just diminishing returns. He plays the same position as Tobias, has a similar skill set. Like if you're going to get a guy who has a similar skill set to Tobias, at least have it someone who can play the two, the three, the, the one. Um, don't have it be a guy who's best at the four as well. So um, don't love that. Jeremy deserves a ton of credit for his development. Um, but, I, but I don't think that makes sense for the Sixers. It doesn't really change things. I've, you know, I've talked about the idea that the Sixers should, you know, depending on what they look like when Joel comes back, should maybe lower the what exactly they're looking for in a Benjamin trade package. Um, but Jeremy doesn't fit that knowledge because he crosses over with, you know, a guy who's on a max a near max deal and is uh, quite good for all Tobias's fault. He's still a very good player. So I don't, I don't like that as a, the centerpiece of a bend. I don't think it makes sense. You playing him what, 20 minutes a game. So it just doesn't really you know fit with what I think the Sixers need. Well, I, th- I think we're, we're still months, if not even a year away <laughs> from, from getting a, a resolution on what's going to happen there. So we'll keep our eyes on that. Jackson wanted to thank you for joining me as always. You are a basketball savant, so enjoy some downtime if you're going to have some tonight, and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it. All right, that's Jackson Frank. You can check his workout at libertyballers.com. And don't forget, while I have you here, you can subscribe to our podcast network. Do that wherever you get your fix. And uh, we'll also have the Talking About podcast coming up on Friday. Sean will have you covered there, and then I'll be back in the solo chair on Saturday for a recap of Sixers and Blazers. That does it for this episode. We'll catch up with you all next time. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.